0: leave it to be and let it be Be. this podcast gives you all the insight that you need to know about mental health fitness relationships is your ex trash let's talk about what real real love looks like okay love yourself and don't give a (laughs) leave it to be and let it be hosted by me Brianna duh friends we are back season two episode one man it has been some time but I'm happy to be back you know I had to take care of some things and I really wanted season two to be just very special you know I wanted to film it I wanted to be on YouTube I wanted to have my guests live in person you know some guests if I have to have via zoom okay but I wanted season two to just be very special so I couldn't have episode one season two any better than with my good friend of 10 plus years you know he's a rapper he's a songwriter he is a host he is a father grammy award winning artist and my dear friend chance the rapper is joining me today on episode one season two of leave it to be you know you might see chance and you just know him as the guy with the number three hat you might see chance and know him for writing songs for kanye west and you know being part of this amazing group in chicago a full of talented artists named save money but i look at him as a friend a father A person that's involved in the community going above and beyond always and I really wanted to sit down with Chance and you guys get a better grasp of who he is as a person you know I think this episode really highlights who he is from a very transparent and uh, deep-rooted level so I cannot wait for you guys to enjoy this right here. I'm just saying for me like to see your career and how far it's come now is just really insane and everything that you've been doing and i'm excited just to hear more about africa because i didn't get to go i was on the radio so just talk to me about what that experience was like
1: yeah i mean it was it's hard to put into words the the concert was crazy Mm -hmm. the festival as a whole like all the events leading into it the panels and you know the talk with dave Chappelle, uh, the skating events um, It was just like a whole lot of love and and then obviously having all of our you know all of our people out there too like in addition to like people whose, you know artists that we work with Mm -hmm. whose first time it was coming out to ghana it was also like you know my family so many of our friends that we grew up with and also i wanted to give you your flowers before we start (laughs) talking about africa you know i love you you know that thank you um rebooked my first show ever out in in St. Louis. Was that, was it St. Louis? Yeah, and and Mizzou. And uh, and it was at the Blue Note, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, you remember. No, yeah, that was, like, a big deal for me. And then the (laughs) the show sold out, and, like, that was, like, that might have been before Ass Rap came out. Yeah. Or, like, right before. I think that
0: was after 10 days.
1: You're right. It was 10 days. That's what I'm saying.
0: Talking you up to everybody. And I was just, like, you need to understand, like, who is Chance the Rapper? And I'm, like, you guys need to understand he's so talented.
1: No, you went hard for me. I feel like that was also, like, the benefit. That's the benefit of having smart friends, like, you know, organized friends like you've always been about, you know, your business, helping out your friends. Like yeah. like I've I've loved to see what you've done Thank as a personality you. and like you're in LA and like you're on the radio five days a week. Like it's just a it's like a yeah. you know Same a beautiful side. thing. All right six months oh, yeah mom oh, you know no you doing big things. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is it's cool yeah. to see people from the crib, you know Come out to LA or come out anywhere and do and do great stuff and like I still have that feeling of like being a kid of like mm-hmm. seeing the stuff that like when we put together shows or we put together you know music projects or or even doing this interview you know like it's like a cool thing. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like too. I remember when I asked you what was your price. Do you remember what you said? You were like two hundred dollars and some oh, pizza yeah. and I think you said PB and J. Yeah,
1: I was I was just trying to I was really yeah. trying to play the show like that's. Like yeah. that was the payment in itself. The fact that like yeah. you know what I'm saying, you went to school and like were organizing events and like yeah. you know like that helped me out a lot. And yeah. I feel like you know like the money thing is something that just you know that's something we're not even in control of. And when you try to control it too much, that's how you end up ass out. So it's really just like it's about experiences, it's about making connections, mm-hmm. about you know honoring those connections and like Support remaining it. in. in community with people. Yeah. I feel like we've done that.
0: Do you remember I mean, too like growing up and going to the Ave and like yeah. talking about that 10 Day. <laughs> and something I don't even think you know, but like if I'm ever homesick, I listen to 10 Day. Yeah. Because LA gets so lonely and I feel like that was such a huge part of our like childhood, 10 Day and just like doing dumb shit yeah. and just running <laughs> around the streets yeah. and like going to Olivia's crib or like yeah. just hanging out and just having uh-huh. fun and I miss those, like, nostalgic moments, you know?
1: No, I mean, I feel like that's what built us, is, like, you know, those real, true-lived experiences. Like, Chicago is such a... I was just saying to somebody the other day, like, LA's, like, sprawling, and there's, like, all these different people that are from all these different places, and, right. you know, you have to drive 30 minutes to get anywhere, and, like, hours. Chicago... Right. Chicago is, like... I was saying it, like, in the negative and in the positive. Like, Chicago's, like, a big-ass high school. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows everybody. When you meet somebody, they would be, like, who you kin to? Who's your mama? Like, where your, where your dad go to school? Yeah. Like, stuff like that is, like... Like, we all really are interconnected, mm-hmm. and I feel like... What we got out of our upbringing is what is what attracts people to us and like our storytelling and how we you know conduct ourselves in relationships and in you know um you know in the stuff that we present to the world mm-hmm. and I think like without those experiences, like you know obviously you wouldn't have a ten day, but without a ten day also I wouldn't have a ass rap or anything else that I've done, so it's like that foundation I still. You know, I still I still go back to all those places. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I still go to the library. I still go to. Wow. I live down the street from the Ave now. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still go to the McDonald's. Like, yeah. I still like, you know, like everything that Chicago had for me when I w- when we were 16 and 17, it still has for me to this day. And like, that's why I still like live there. Still like yeah. try and make shit happen for people there. And you know, I think that'll always be our.
0: foundation too yeah Yeah. what would you say is different now about Chicago because I unfortunately don't get to visit as much and I feel like I know you used to live out here and you moved back to the crib and it's just like sometimes I get envious seeing you guys on Instagram because I'm like damn I love y'all and I miss y'all but I don't get to see you guys as much so what do you feel like is different about Chicago now
1: I mean it's a it's a different generation it's different we're also older you know what I'm saying like I'm about to be 30 in April like it's like it's just different you know it's like but the but again there's still so many of the same things like I still got my brother my grandmother my parents still live there like my cousins and aunts and uncles live there and um and I feel like I don't know. I mean obviously like it's also just different being and uh, you know being an adult that like is mature and not like
0: Yeah. And a doing, dad was yeah, so wild to me.
1: That's the that's the that's probably the the biggest difference is like right. experiencing everything for the first time again. Like going to uh, the Navy Pier Winter Wonderland stuff and like showing it to Kinsley for the first time, or like going back to the Nature Museum or to the Museum of Science and Industry, or like you know just going back to stuff that I used to do as a kid. Yeah. and showing it to my kids, like it, it makes it feel like it's your first time doing it. You know what I mean?
0: I feel like, too, just seeing you now, you're just so mature. You're, like, a grown man, which is crazy just to think back at, like, you know, high school and stuff like that. And how do you feel like being a father has changed you? I'm sure that's, sure that's like, a generic question, but I'm curious to know because we're almost the same age and I don't have any children, so I can't relate in that. It, it matured
1: me a lot. I think, like... All of life's experiences maturity a lot. Like to be honest, like I feel like a lot of my growth happened after Rod died. Like when when that shit happened, that was like the closest experience I had with death and I was probably like, hmm.
0: Were you there when that happened? Yeah. Okay.
1: I was in that shit. And like and that was like I feel like uh a big learning moment for me, but it also like put a lot of different fears into me that I don't think I had before. And I feel like, you know, Chicago's always crazy, but it's like when something like that happens that close to you, it just kind of changes you. So I feel like that in itself matured me or going on tour really young changed me or like, you know, there's so many different parts. And then I think becoming a parent really just like made all my experiences before Kind of be clumped in as one big thing, and now it's kind of like before kids and after kids. You know what I mean? Like, and and I look at things like sometimes like I'm not that mature, but sometimes I'll be looking at shit like, you know, should I do that shit? Like, I'm a whole (laughs) dad. Like, i will be crazy if I just, you know. Yeah, but you're still so young too, you
0: know.
1: Yeah, I am young. But it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just like, like I was just thinking the other day. Like, am I gonna smoke weed forever? Like. Mm. You know, like I'm not saying I'm gonna quit smoking weed right now, but just I was just thinking about this, like how long, how long am I really gonna like be smoking weed? I know it's like, like you know, it's people that's super grown that smoke weed, but I just be thinking about it, like
0: should I stop now that I'm a dad? Like, no,
1: I mean like I still smoke weed at my crib. It's just like (laughs) it's like a thing of hiding weed and like feeling away about that shit when your kids are around like mm-hmm. and then once and then eventually my kids are going to want to smoke weed and then it's like if I smoke weed I'm gonna tell them not to smoke weed yeah like, that's how are you crazy. gonna react
0: when is like yo dad this is what I do or you smell it on her when she gets older like <laughs> I
1: don't know that's what I'm saying like I'd rather be able to lie and be like right. we don't do that like, <laughs> you know I'm saying? like I'd rather just like I'm act gonna- like I never smoked weed before yeah. and shit but if, you know what I'm saying it's just mm-hmm. but I would be thinking about it like that I would be thinking about it like how does how can I when, when you when you're around your kids you try and be I think most people try and be their best selves mm-hmm. or, or try and mirror the things that they learned that were of importance and it's kind of like doing that shit so often makes you want to be like that all right. the time you know what
0: yeah I mean? and you were talking about like Rodney I feel like that's when the shift turned even for me like going back home seeing everybody having a friend like that it was just so close to home that I felt like, all right, I need to get it together. You know what I mean? Like you realize how fast life can just not be there, you know? And I think too, we were just having fun. And sometimes you take for granted this life. Yeah. And um, that was the year, I don't even know if, you know, like I, my whole life changed. That's when I actually found out like my dad adopted me and my dad was my biological father. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you that and I was just like, At that point, I was like, you know what, I could be like a statistic and like just fall, you know, just fall down or just get myself back up. And I think that that's why I ended up here at such a young age. And you like congratulate me, but I congratulate you. Just like coming out of Chicago is such a huge thing, you know, like we've come a very long way and it's been a huge and crazy ass journey, you know?
1: Yeah no i'm I'm grateful for the journey. I feel like it a lot of things like like when Rod got killed that was a that was a big wake up call. I feel like for me, just in terms of my accessibility, like how much I was hanging out, and not accessibility like on some famous shit, just like I'm like we was wild like we used to just be doing a lot of dumb stuff a lot and and I think like it just. It just made me kind of slow down and focus on i think what you brought up also like made me think about my own mortality like right. how much i wanted to work as like a rapper for real like beat yeah. like it it made it like this is something that i gotta do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i think uh and i think like also that's when my dad started like helping me like i feel like all of our friends remember like how different my dad was before yeah. I got killed and after like mm-hmm. in terms of you know getting me the laptop and getting you know like helping me like with uh, with getting studio time with El Bug and like yeah. so many different things like at that time I was living at Olivia's house I was staying with your cousin like I, I feel crazy. like you know what I'm saying like after that happened is when I moved back home uh-huh. so I feel like I just think like there was a lot of like things that happened that made me like realign my life and Mm -hmm. re-understand what I was trying to get done. Mm -hmm. And even though some of those experiences were like painful or hard or whatever, like it's like they also like formed the way that I think about stuff and, and the way that I prioritize things in life as well.
0: Did you realize back then, like did you envision like where you're at now? or did you just have fun with it and you were just willing to see like where it went
1: I think I had a lot of a lot of goals and I would just keep updating my goals as time went by like I remember from like probably like from 8th grade I was always like I want to do double duty SNL hosting like I want to cool. perform and host the show like since I was a kid because I always like you know I always like comedy and stuff and I and I felt like
0: you manifested that
1: yeah but and, but, and it's <laughs> but it's like as that as stuff like that would happen then I would have a new goal come in you know right. and so I feel like that's what kept me in it that's what keeps me creating is like finding new goals and finding new mm-hmm. things to get done and that's even how the Ghana concert happened like I feel like I do There was a point when I used to just love playing shows, and then like probably like as long ago as like 2014 was when I first started organizing and producing, you know, festivals and and concerts. And they just like, you have a goal and you're like, I wanna see if I could do it this big or this many times or for this cheap or or for free or whatever it is. And like, and then you, you know, once you get it done, then you figure out the next move.
0: Why'd you decide to do a free show? Which I thought was amazing. Access. Just because of access, like, I feel like
1: concerts are, like, a deep thing, yo. if you think about it. Because it's, like, so many people getting an experience at once. It's like going to the movie theater. Except, like, it's not going to replay the exact same way tomorrow or in an hour. Like, it's a one-of-one experience. And you get to connect with an artist that, you know you've loved, you grew up listening to or that you've never heard of or whatever it is, but all get to experience it together and sing the lyrics together and jump together and meet people or hang out, whatever it is. And and like, I've always loved putting on shows. I've always loved performing. That's probably my favorite part of being a musician. And so I feel like when people get that experience, it's something that they never let go of, especially if it's a great experience. Even if it's a terrible experience, people remember (laughs) concerts, yeah? So it's like... When, when you could put on something for free yeah, like you're expanding like the amount of people that you can change or influence or support or protect because that's what it is yeah. it's like I feel like I specialize in large scale gatherings where people are protected and supported and you know have a good time and usually have access like even if it's not just on a financial level if mm-hmm. it's like you know for um disabled communities or for, you know, um, uh, younger people or for, you know, whoever it is. Like, I think I always liked putting together big things that people could be like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And, and why Ghana? Um, Ghana like this. Everybody doesn't know this, but like Ghana like kind of like the, the center, like stronghold of like pan-Africanism as a identity Mm. for countries in Africa like there's there's plenty of countries that have a connection to to black America and 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 the diaspora in different countries but like Ghana since it was first founded like they was always like we want to be a a a home and a voice and like a support system for black people globally and and I learned a lot about it when I got out there, but I had started, um, like learning about Marcus Garvey and his like, you know, plans for, for the future of, of, of a black global identity and, and the works that he had done to like, to connect more black people and Right when I was about to go to Ghana, my family was telling me about our family's connection to Garveyism, and and then my family had been visiting Ghana since the 70s, which wow. blew my mind, because... I didn't think my family traveled at all, and, I mean it's like if you met my, it's just like a. My
0: family doesn't either.
1: Yeah, I mean I didn't travel. Like I probably only went to really L. A. and North Carolina until I started touring. Like, and and I only went to L. A. like maybe twice. Oh, I went to Orlando. I went to like Florida. But like growing up, we didn't travel like that. So I didn't think my family was going to Africa like at all. And then found out that we had these connections that we had, um, you know, worked with this with with this church and with these schools that are out there and that my great grandmother had like people she considered family out there and and then once I got there on the ground I learned about Kwame Nkrumah who was their first president I just like kind of got a better context for how 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 much has changed for black people mm-hmm. since the 50s and 60s like we always look at it from an american lens of like right. civil rights movement but it was like it was like civil rights movements and civil wars and revolutionary wars and like you know, um, you know, violent genocides and all these different things that were happening for Black people all in the 50s and 60s, all around the world in France on the continent, over here in the UK, like in the islands, and like kind of just understanding that like we're a um, we're like a, a severed or like fractured global community that really just needs an opportunity to build that community and build that identity like that all came from visiting in Ghana and so um, Vic had been wanting to do a concert in Ghana and the last night that we were out there the second to last night that we were out there we had a conversation on the beach and we just like talked and talked and talked about sustainability about how to like you know how I could make it work, how we could get you know, the right people there mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a longer plan for how to like, you know, continue to, to, to uplift communities because it's not just Ghana that needs it. You know what I mean? It's not just that we need to travel to Ghana like the, you know, Haiti should be really our number one priority. How do we strengthen Haiti? And how do we create a connection and a stronger identity for the blackness that exists mm-hmm. in what used to be Hispaniola? Like, there's a, a, a strong detachment of, from blackness there, and detestment or anti blackness that, that happens there that like affects hella black people. Mm-hmm. But we don't always feel like motherfuckers is black unless they got our lived experience of being. Mm-hmm of slavery. And it's even deeper than that. Like, it's also like just straight nationalism. Like, you know, some Ghanaians don't feel Nigerian. You know what I mean? Some black folks don't feel. Jamaican like we all we all base it on like what country we from and we don't even know how we got to each place So that's why I can talk about that shit for a long time I'm I am sorry. Know,
0: but I'm interested because like I said I wasn't there So I'm kind of like living through you and like what I see, you know, and so like like you said traveling I don't travel to Africa like I'm in LA or Chicago or New York or whatever So I think that's so dope that you are always going above and beyond like you said for the community You do so much for Chicago you pour into the city which I think is amazing. I can't wait to get to that point in my career. Um, And I love the fact that you have such great relationships like with Erica Badu and T-Pain and Dave Chappelle, how you brought them to Ghana. Like, that's... Literally unheard of. And I had to talk about that on the radio because I'm like, I don't think enough people know. And as much as, you know, as big as my voice is out here, I'm going to continue to preach how much you're doing because that's changing the game right now. You oh, know?
1: Thank you. And I do want to say you do do a lot for, for uh, Chicago because you take care of your people, people that you grew up with, people that you know, people that you, you know, just met, but you like. I think what, our, what all of our focus should be on is how do we create a larger community? How do we help more people? How do we help the people that are already you know, in our community? Mm. And I think like the concert was so beautiful because people like T-Pain and Erica and, and Dave like, decided to take their time and come out there and, and perform for free you know what I mean so
0: they did all that on their they own
1: time I mean I pay for their flights and hotels and their <laughs> crews and stuff but like yeah. in terms of like their shows like these people are making I'm not going to say how much they get paid per show but like yeah. I it, w- it couldn't have happened if they if if I had to pay for everybody's performances and so it's the idea that like we know that we're connected we just need that bridge, we just need that opportunity. And that's what I'm trying to be is the boat. I'm trying to be like the connecting mm-hmm. you know the conduit to make to make that shit happen. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody is that like that missing link that just needs to extend the community. I, I right. thought I thought it was so like deep also that like that Dave was there because, you know, for people our age, like we grew up on Chappelle Show and like we'll remember like Dave got blackballed. Like, Dave was like one of the most public blackballings that we saw growing up. And the main, like, you know, blow to his character that they kept throwing out there was that he had went to africa that he had ran away to africa that he was crazy or doing drugs in africa and it like otherized the continent to a lot of people that had no experience of going there hadn't seen it except for on national geographic or in some you know fucked up western lens of like film that makes you feel like it is one way and 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 Dave never talked bad about Africa. He never like joked about it. Like he always held it in high regard. And so to have him in West Africa, you know, speaking at the university, I thought was like so powerful. And it was like and it was on his like he decided, yeah, it was on his time. Like that's like the that's like the coolest thing was like all these people came together to like extend community. And that's what we got to do as black folks is like we have to recognize how many of us are us. Like Mm. we have so many divisions based on religion, The you know, people aren't, you know, Christian enough or aren't straight enough or aren't, you know, or, you know, we have problems with age, we have problems with people with disabilities, like we just find ways to otherize each other so often. And
0: and why do you think that is? It's frustrating, the I divide. I mean, it's,
1: it's by design, like all of this shit is on a spectrum of whiteness, like everybody's trying to get to that highest point through like what job they have, how much money they got, who they know, how they talk, where they went to college, like even white people are on this rat race of trying to be as white as possible. And and when I say as white as possible, like, I don't want people to feel otherized for just being white. But it's like, if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. everybody's trying to get to the upper echelon and be respected as such. And, and through that, like, that system, like, it takes pushing down and otherizing shit that does not represent that that success Mm -hmm. and and that's like that's just damaging it just keeps that cycle going and so we have like you know we have the black church which in the 50s and 60s was super integral to like the movement Mm -hmm. but also like it's not strong enough because we base so much shit on white constructs and like uh Otherize people from the trans community or from the gay community or people that are too young or people that have babies out of wedlock or people that have this, that, and the third. Like, it's, it's, and it's not just in Christianity. It's like literally all the spaces that we utilize, you know, from like otherizing people by how they talk, like saying people don't talk, talk don't talk good enough or talk too good. Yeah, it's like whatever it is, like, all of those things, like, Separate us and and pull away the power from us, and so we have to like just get to a point where we recognize how deep we are like it's a lot of us, and we're not just here. Like, I was just reading about Oceania, I think it's called, or Oceania, or whatever, and like the Afro Asiatic people that are like in the like. It's so hard to describe, but like near like the Polynesian islands and like just it's just like it's like black communities everywhere. I met a dude last night that's from Dublin, Ireland. He was like, there's a huge, huge, huge black community that lives in Ireland that be going through it. Yeah, just like black people go through it everywhere. Uh And but we don't feel interconnected because we don't have the same experiences. Uh We're not born in the same place. We don't speak the same language. So I feel like. What I've been trying to dedicate all my works to is expanding the community and expanding the access for people so that like we're not alone because we because we're not alone
0: and that's part of the reason as to why you did the free show
1: a hundred percent like wow, people should travel everywhere like we did this first one in Ghana next year we're doing it in Jamaica, and like having black folks experience something positive, safe, you know, educational, memorable, um, free, just because they're black is like an experience that we all need. Like we all need to get something just for being black because we got a lot of (laughs) fucked up shit just for being black. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like we might be in a space right now where we have to repair ourselves. Like not on some, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but like creating the house and utilizing the resources that we all have Mm -hmm. to create Community chest, community aid, community protection, community police, Mm -hmm. community, like everything.
0: And doing that within like the younger generation, too, because I feel like a lot of it is taught from our parents, our grandparents, great grandparents and things like that. So the fact that you're doing that for like people our age and younger, I think is like really important, too, because we need to cut it out. Like the divide is just so frustrating. We try to figure out what we can do. And I never even thought that it was that deep. I was like, I wonder why he's doing a free show. I thought you were just, you know, doing it just to do it. But the fact that you're, like, that tapped in and realizing that is just, like, says just a lot about you as a person. I think that's so fire.
1: No, oh, thanks, man. I yeah. feel, we got to have these these moments. Like, yeah. humanity is, like, what's at stake here. I feel like so many of the issues, like, you know, just the issue of, like, you know, right now the real big thing is, like, carjackings in Chicago, right? Yeah. And so many of those end up turning violent, like, or deadly. And we've been saying for years, like, it's a mixture of, like, paranoia, PTSD, um other, um, other like, mental adversities mixed in with, like, the fact that there's not really a respect for human life on either side of interactions a lot of time and in, in, in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from outside forces is not something that's just like goes with being black type shit. It's really just like the world is sick right now. The world is sick as fuck. So like how the real question is like, how do we increase people's um, Respect for human life or understanding of humanity. And I think it is moments. I think it is like people are really changed when they go through, you know, a dramatically important, positive moment in their life. Mm-hmm. And not saying that concerts are all of it, but like events and, and, yeah, aid period. Like creating aid, creating community, creating connection is like something that I think adds value Mm -hmm. to your understanding of relationship and other humans and your relationship to other humans. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're right. Like, even like you said, the carjacking in Chicago, my mom just moved back to Chicago. And I'm always staying on the phone with her because, like, you never know what people are trying to do. Like, my mom's had a gun to her head with me in her hands as a baby. She tells me stories about Chicago and growing up in Humboldt Park. Like, people don't understand, like you know, to get to where we're at, it's taken a long time. Like it's not easy to come out of our city and to be successful. And we're still trying to help our own community. Like, I just feel like people are just hungry and just trying to get a quick stain and they're not really caring about life, you know, and people's life. They just need some quick money or something, which is wild to think about. But, um, Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this for hours (laughs) and I know you have a time frame, but at the end of the day, I'm just excited to see everything that you got going on. I know you got new music. I love the art piece. I know you did the gallery. I didn't want to talk about that too. Like, how did that come about? The art aspect of it all?
1: No, so I've been working with all these different artists, these different painters and sculptors, um, photographers to like create, um, tangible, Um, tangible songs, like I feel like our our favorite music, for example, like when people see the Ass Rap cover art or the Coloring cover art or think of any like, you know, iconic album cover, like there's songs that you're reminded of but you're not reminded of every song on the whole album, it's just it takes you back to a specific moment or a specific song and I've always felt like I love that process but I also felt like It kind of flattens the album when there's one respective photo or something that represents it Mm -hmm. so i started like toying with the ideas of singles and how you could have like a cover art for a single that's just that just represents that one song and it's different from the album cover you know what i mean i think
0: that's so amazing yeah
1: I'm just trying to I'm trying to give them their own personality, their own story. So every song now on my next album has its own individual piece of art that's married to it through a music video that I shoot. And wow. yeah, it's been it's been cool. I've worked with about like six or seven artists I've put out four so far. Mm-hmm. All of them have opened at major institutions like um Museum of Contemporary Art or MOCA in Los Angeles or um We've done the Venice Biennale and Art Basel, Switzerland. And yeah, and then I'm, I'm about to be at a bunch of art festivals this year. So anybody that's in the art, like, <laughs> if you want to get the early scoop on my music.
0: And just introducing us to art, because I feel like us as black people, too, like, we're not in art museums like yeah. that. And you are bringing us to the museums, like the MOCA. I would have never, I live here, and I would have never went to the MOCA if it wasn't for you.
1: It's deep. That's like the, that's like a an, a really important language and an important, like, space in the revolution or the fight of liberation is like who are our creatives and like painters throughout history, photographers throughout history, filmmakers, sculptors, all the like different visual artists like are incredibly important to narrating and inspiring the movement and art just like any other like, visual art just like any other like medium or industry, it's like they, they, the the creatives are pimped out. And and I'm not saying that, like, I'm separated from it because the music industry is, you know, could be arguably worse. But like the, in the time since I went to Ghana in my first trip, I just started you know, becoming friends with more visual artists and understanding how their shit works. And like these niggas be the most like forward-thinking, revolutionary thinking like um just like introspective people that you'll meet and the way that their conversation because i think all art is like a conversation with the listener like the way that their conversation or stories um get blocked from getting out to the, to who their respective audiences is. It's like, it's worse than like being an independent rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. not I'm not saying me specifically, but I'm just saying like, you know what I'm saying? Like an indie artist, like that's like, you think of like a struggling artist, you think of a musician, but like the painters be the ones that spent money going to school went gallery to gallery like studied under somebody like and then their work gets stolen or they sell a piece for you know seven hundred dollars and then a couple of years later selling for millions they don't get no money like wow. shit the way that they should be going is so crazy it's
0: similar to the music
1: industry yeah it's very similar and they've always been hand in hand in the 70s like artists like annie lee um artists like uh what's my guy's name ernie barnes like the, Ernie Barnes is the guy that made the painting that was at the beginning of Good Times. It's also the cover art for a Mar- Marvin Gaye album I recently sold for $15 million. It's called The Sugar Shack. Yeah. That painting's like in... I would say thousands, if not millions, of black homes growing up. It was at my grandmother's house, like prints of it. And that defined black culture or what it meant to be a family for a lot of people. Having painting, having art, having depictions of our life or our culture is like super important. And that was married to music. People loved it because it was married to that that Marvin Gaye album that represented that. And it was married to film. It was in the intro to, to good times every day. And like, people felt a certain sense of pride and a certain sense of communication through those things. And so I'm just trying to, like, work with today's Ernie Barnes, the the, the 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 visual thinkers and thought leaders of today that are black that aren't necessarily all from Chicago. Some of them are from Ghana or from the islands or from the U.K., mm-hmm. but, like, getting their understanding and their conversation, um... To go in tandem with my music mm-hmm. and putting it out on a high level at a museum or something is i think like a pivotal step in in bridging that gap between our two respective worlds
0: so you think how many more songs would you say
1: the album's gonna be 16 pieces okay the album the gallery the whatever it's gonna be 16 pieces um there's four out now and I'm gonna probably, like, continue to release it kind of the way that I have been. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, doing cool-ass art fairs, openings at museums, and getting people that I want to see the piece early come see it and interact with it in person, and then drop it out there, and then eventually drop an album. I really don't know. I've been having so much fun, and I've been, like, organizing festivals and shit, but, like, (laughs) I'm glad that the... It's been really cool, like, Lately interacting with my fans, like interacting with people that want the music because the highs and the lows and y'all know, actually all the pieces have gotten like really, really great responses and like a lot of love and a lot of outreach from um, from people that just like the way that I put my art out. And and because it's a little more layered with the visual art piece or the film part of it or going to museums or traveling or whatever, like, it seems to be bringing in a wider audience of, like, people that I get to work with. So it's been cool.
0: I wanted to ask you, like, what is the feedback from your fans? Like, especially, like, the ones, the day ones, too. Like, what are they saying? Do you look? Do you pay attention to the comments or no?
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like... (sighs) The two ones that got the most love were probably the last two, which is uh, you Know," which I did with King Promise, who's a Ghanaian singer. Yeah, people really like working out to that song. That's yeah. what I've been seeing. But it's also like it's a movement song. Like it's 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 faster and more up tempo than the other works. And like it's like you know inspired by dance and inspired by rhythms from so many different dope black cultures that like people all have different reasons why they love it but they seem to all love it which I love obviously and it was and it was also like a cool like inception moment of like writing a whole song about putting together this successful large-scale concert for free in another country and then dropping the song and then a month later living the concert out is like cool you know what I'm saying like (laughs) you don't get to you can't buy those moments and then the highs and the lows I just feel like people love that love when I wrap my ass off like they like when I like do wordplay and stuff like that because I'm because I'm You're really for it. yeah I'm really good at it well I don't know I'm known for so many things I'm trying. known for Kit Kats all types of shit <laughs> like niggas know me for a million different reasons but but I've, I've decided I'm gonna rap again I'm gonna just yeah. do some some uh I like rapping like that like on that and doing you know stuff with you know older boom bap kind of drums and working with Dex Level and working with Peter Cottontail and you know people that are of like mind when it comes to music uh-huh. um but yeah, it's been cool. It's just been cool like having people enjoy the process. Like people like yeah. the film part of it. They like the they like the production choices, the samples, the the raps, the experience of traveling. So I'm, I'm just gonna like hear day. a
0: save money album.
1: That could be in the works. We got a lot of songs. It's been weird, like, in the last year, because you know everybody, I'll tell you, even though we're in an interview. Like, we've been, like, doing more sessions where everybody comes to Peter's studio. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a lot of records now that just got made since, like, 2022. Wraith, the one that me and Vic dropped last year, was one of them that we made in one of those sessions. So there's enough stuff. I would love
0: to air it and like launch it out here. Yeah. Because how dope, that would be a crazy full circle moment to just have all of our friends on on the radio. That would be so fire. I mean, yeah, that would be really dope.
1: When you come back to Chicago, you got to like with the guys and we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah. About to figure it out because I feel like we should do a show and be like a whole movement too. But The Voice, the voice. how's that going? How's that?
1: The Voice is awesome, y'all. I feel like I'm I might win that shit, which is crazy because that wasn't my like thoughts when I first came onto it. I was like, I'm gonna just lay low, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, learn the learn the ropes, you know. I'm not trying to be too outgoing on that but like it's it's who's really who's your competition cool. on there? man that's what I'm saying it's like it's only one me like I'm in that bitch (laughs) switching it up I'm making motherfuckers make up songs on the spot go sing this shit do the harmony no it's fun though it's like what I what I always end up relearning or having to remind myself is like (laughs) you can't beat being yourself like there's no like you come into different spaces or opportunities and you see an assignment or an imagined assignment, and you want to, you know, Try to form yeah, form yourself to 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 to, to fit into it, mm-hmm. and then you at some point, regardless, you realize like you're there because you're you, mm-hmm. so. To so just be you? Yeah, once that taps in, then it's like, oh, I'm just having fun. Like, and I also love the judges. Like me and Kelly Clarkson. I've known Kelly Clarkson for a few years. She's but now I really know her now that we work together every day. Yeah. But like she's hilarious. I love hanging out with her. She has a hilarious laugh. <laughs> uh, Blake is super cool. He's just like a wild ass dude and says the mm-hmm. craziest shit. But he's leaving next season. So, or he, this is his last season. So yeah. he like doesn't care. He can't get fired type shit. So he's just like <laughs> just saying what he's just saying. Anything, and then Niall, my homie Niall Horn from One Direction is on the show, and he's he's super cool. He's got like uh he's from Ireland, so he's got like a taste for like I don't know storyteller Irish type shit. Like that's what he'd be looking for. But
0: what would you say is like the biggest challenge of being a host? Cause you've done it on. What was you were on another show? I did
1: rhythm and flow. Yeah. Which typically I'm not supposed to say that in an interview. I'm not supposed to say the last show that I was. But yeah, I was on rhythm and flow. I don't fuck. I don't care. (laughs) Um, I was on rhythm and flow. Yeah. And I hosted some other shit. I did like punked and some other shit before. But like, I guess the hardest part is what I was talking about a second ago. It's that first time when you first come in, you do your first couple of days working on some shit, and they're giving you scripts to read, and you like. Yo, I'm out here jamming with, like saying dumb ass shit and you like, yeah, you're just trying to like fit into it. That's like a tough time. And then one day it it kicks in like, I just got to be myself, do it how I want to do it. And it becomes way easier. Like I really am in my zone when I'm up there. Cause you know, I come from like produce and shit. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a musical guy myself. I'm not. I don't consider myself a vocalist, but I do know how to arrange music, how to produce music, and I and I work well with operatics and, and choir. So I have like I have like a little trio on there. These, these three white <laughs> girls that's like young. I'll be having a ass on there doing the Jackson Five and shit. Like I'm a, I'm up there literally fooling like like what? shit. Like I'm telling y'all, fuck around, and win this whole thing. Just remember that I said that. Like
0: that's exciting. I can't wait. You better win this thing, okay? But yeah, I mean. This was fun. I'm glad we haven't done this in years. Yeah, I'm man. glad to chop it up. I really wanted to play a little bit of ping pong with you, just a little bit, yeah, just to see, see what you got going on we up there. We play a little
1: bit of ping pong. This
0: amazing house. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted the world to know or you wanted to tell me? like I
1: Any the world secrets to going on? I'm just <laughs> Oh, yeah, so here's the tea. <laughs> That's no. a
0: No, for real.
1: No, yeah, I don't really think there's anything. I would say... um, Nah, I'm not going. Yeah, I will say this. I feel like I just wanted to put it on the record that um, Young Thug is a real ass dude, like a really good, really good person. Yo, takes care of his kids. Always looked out for me. Always called and checked in on my family. Like, really like a good big brother in a lot of like good ways to a lot of different people. And I feel like. There can be miscarriages of justice if if we don't, as a community, like, look into things. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes shit becomes—we become so, like, desensitized or, like, separated from shit because it's, like, happening in the media and you forget that people are real, real people. Right. And I just feel like, you know, people should, like, study that shit and— and form an opinion based on their own research before they talk, and also like just understand that like he's a really good dude that's going through it right now, and I and I and I want to I hope that like he's having a, a fair trial, you know what I mean? And I don't know that that's exactly what's happening right now.
0: I thought about randomly him the other day. I've never actually I did meet him at the bowling alley one day, but I don't know him personally. Mm. And I was randomly thinking and just keeping him in my prayers. Just because yeah. I think about just him as an individual and as a black man locked up and like his mental health. Yeah. What he got going on, what his family is thinking. You know what I mean? So just the fact that she even brought that up, I'm like, yeah. Is is he gonna get justice? Is he gonna get out? What's gonna happen in the situation? So, yeah, I just, I really hope the fact that you know him on a personal level, and like you said, people don't know, like, he's checking in on you on his own time. It's not even on some music stuff. Like, I didn't even know y'all were, like, cool. Like, This that. is,
1: like, one of maybe, like, five friends that I could say that I have in the industry, like, real friends checking on me. I go in, I travel with them before, like, then, like, you know, I've known him since, I think, 2013. And, like, never switched up on me. Like, always checked in to see if I was good. Anytime something was going on, some weird-ass shit in the media or anything. Like, just always been um, uh, there in support of me. And I feel like he just... The the way that sometimes um, some of these blogs or some people talk about him, it's like, it's not acting justly or fairly in terms of how he's been to people.
0: And why is it that you feel like, I feel like all they do is put negative comments and just energy into just like black men. I feel like that's what's been going on. As of recently, you see it more and more and more. There's so much going on in the world, but it's like putting this man down is just like, I don't know, it's like a target kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, if, like, you think about it, people like him are like support systems mm-hmm. for like many people, and uh, and it can be like I don't know, it could just be like the history of America that, like, when motherfuckers are foundational people. Yeah. Um, that, like, if you attack that person, then you can, like, you know, damage a larger group of people through that one person. So Yeah. Um, I, just, I just wanted to, like, make sure that I say how I feel about it, which is that I don't know that he's getting a fair trial, and I don't know that, like, we as a community have been... Supportive or vocal, you know, in terms in, in the right way about it, like focusing on him.
0: And that's important. So thank you for sharing that.
1: No, thank you, Bree, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to to be on your show.
0: Hell yeah! What? that <laughs> day one for real? Already, I love you, man. I love this was cool. You too.